0: If you want to be more personal, more intimate, more connected in your relationship, you need to stop taking what the other person is doing personally.
1: Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome, to emotional
2: sobriety. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is our producer Patrick Newman and the illustrious Dr. Allen Berger.
0: Doctor, how are you? Well, Tom, it's uh, we have a rainy day here in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's warming up. I mean, the, it's going to be 70 degrees, is what they predicted today. So, spring is on the way. Yep. Springtime is here, and the plan for today is to go out and get a bird feeder that is squirrel-proof. The squirrels keep stealing my bird feeder. You bad. And they, <laughs> they hide them in places where I swear I can't find them. I don't know where those guys – and these are little medical – metal tray a uh, metal like boxes right <laughs> where you put the seeds inside <laughs> birds hanging on me and it's wonderful it's right outside our kitchen window so in the morning when i'm making breakfast i'm visited by woodpeckers blue jays cardinals finches
2: yep. i love that too we we love our our birds and and um Dee, Dee just had a birthday and, and I, one of the presents I gave her was a new bird feeder. And it's like, it's, I swear you, you, after a while, you, 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 you begin to recognize certain, the, the, certain birds.
0: I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're like, they've become part of the community. It's great. Yep. So we have that going on. The other thing is that a young deer, um, I don't know how she, she was, she died, but she's mm. in the back and we are, are being visited by swarms of vultures now. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> they are coming to feast. They're doing and their job. <laughs> doing their job, man. They're doing their job. And and the family where this deer came from came by yesterday to 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 I pay their respects. I think is that's what I made mm-hmm. up about it. Mm-hmm. They yeah, all circled around the and stood there for a few minutes and then moved on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really interesting, man. It was like they were going to a funeral. I swear to God. Yeah.
2: What we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about how, how emotional sobriety is, is seen through the lens of philosophy. It's like, but I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, we need, we, why we need philosophy is yeah. because, <laughs> is because we've used so much of our brain power as human beings to just, to, to, to separate, to separate. Maybe this is a, maybe this is a, a, the downside of differentiation, or a uh, uh, differentiation we don't want—that we differentiate ourselves so much from everything else, we separate ourselves, that, that we we forget that we're part of it.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, what did what did the old philosophers used to say? We are the bridge between animal and God. Mm-hmm. That we're a part animal and we're part God, mm-hmm. and that we're in this weird weird place. But you know, look, we can think of because when you guys threw out this idea of us let's talk about emotional sobriety and philosophy. And I had to, mm-hmm. to really step back and, you know, the truth of it is emotional sobriety is a philosophy. Yes, it is. The whole ideology, it's a whole set of beliefs. It's based mm-hmm. on faith. It's, it's based on a certain reasoning, right? There's wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, it's a wisdom based, you know, approach to life. And you know it's definitely an appropriate topic today, and I was well. Excited. I mean, yeah, and and after
2: and, and as often as the case because you you know you guys often describe me as we, we, what what is the thing where we say, uh, uh, ready, aim, fire. And you say, I'm like, I'm like ready, fire, aim. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After after uh, Patrick and I talked about it and I thought, this is a great idea. I'm going to do this. And then I thought, okay, well now what, are, what is, do, what, do I, what are I going to do? And so one of the things I've been thinking about is just what's the difference between philosophy and psychology. So what did I do? Because I'm a brilliant man. I went and asked Google. For me, the psychology is how the mind works, how the human beings think, you know, and, and, but to me, philosophy is kind of a pan back. And and you actually, I can't remember your exact words just then, but you said, I I stepped back. That's what you said. And I think that's what we do. We look at that. And one of the things I think it it has to do with, for me anyway, and some people who are actual, you know, um, um, better philosophers than I can, can correct us and give us some feedback on this. But I, you know. I think one of the things that has to do with is we are always talking about living congruently with our value system. That's such a big part of emotional sobriety. And then, but there's that value system that we have and just, that's just basically a, a standard of ethics, you know. But we take that, not just about how to treat other people, we take that in emotional sobriety and applying ethics to our intrapersonal world. How am I treating? Let's stop. Let's stop excluding ourselves from our ethical standards. And then when then when we go and the, the book I wrote a long time ago was called uh, Earning Your Own Respect. And that was what to me anyway, the, the essence of that was was living in congruence on a day to day basis with your value system. And in order to do that, the point I made in the book was you have to know what your value system is. It seems like a fairly simple point. But a lot of times we haven't really investigated that. And I think that's what philosophy is a lot of times is, what do I really believe? You know, and I don't mean just believe don't, you know, don't, don't kill anybody for no good reason or let's not steal. Let's be nice to each other. But but I thought we. Would, I was thinking we, we could have a conversation today. That just goes, that's even more intimate than that. And I would want to put the disclaimer on this. If we're talking about our personal value systems, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not here to, to suggest that, that you guys, you know, share anything more than you want to share. But it's, it's like, if we're talking about our personal value systems, the disclaimer I want to say is, it's just us. That's just our individual value system. But I, I, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, that all of us share in our, the three of us, our value system is that we are not, we we, we are not. Uh, fundamentalist in any sense and meaning that we are not exclusive in the sense of you should believe what I believe or else, you know, you're wrong or you're fucked or whatever, you know, you're going, you're going to the bad place or whatever that is. So it's like, it's just, it's, I had a wonderful, I have a wonderful friend named Bindle that died a few years ago he was a brilliant man. And, and truly just, I think he was a born philosopher, but one of the things he, he would say that helped me a lot in my life was he said that, um, he said, beliefs are choices. And that's it's a very simple statement, but, but, he, you know, and when he would go on and if you ask him about that a little further, it's like most wise people, you'd have to ask him. He wouldn't, he wasn't just going to grab me by the collar and tell you what he thinks, but, but it would, it was, you don't have to objectively prove your, your belief system. You don't have to, you don't have to convince anyone. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have to, to win people over. You don't have to recruit, you know, it's like you can choose a belief system. And and it was so so amazing for me to to over a period of time to kind of integrate that idea, and that's what I think about with this stuff is that it's really hard it's hard to to be congruent with my value system in the biggest picture in the in the most pan back position unless I have some idea of what my deepest belief system is, and that to me is about what what the fuck we're doing here. What is this human experience all about? and it's it's like, and that has that has varied through my life in terms of what I believe and and the, and the main difference today is here is a belief system I have chosen. When we're young, we know how the world works. We understand how the universe works, and then we get older, <laughs> and we
0: realize we don't know shit. you know and that's and that's the gift. You take any philosopher, any great philosopher, mm-hmm. and you will see over time, Their beliefs change. Their philosophy changes as they mature, as they are confronted with inconsistencies in their thought. Mm -hmm. And see, this brings up a very important point is see if we could be as open to those shifts and changes in our life. Then we will mature and grow along these lines, that we will differentiate. Like I said before, it's my belief that that is hardwired in us for us to move in the direction of being more and more complete, more and more differentiated, right? That seems to me to be a basis of who we are. But what happens is, and I love this, is is recently I've been reading Dr. Uh, Michael Allen Vincent's, Michael Vincent Miller's, Book mm-hmm. called Intimate Terrorism. And one of the things he talks about is our anxiety makes us want to hold on to things as they are or as we think they should be. Yes. So that process of maturation, which is letting go or allowing yourself to be challenged, right? And to, right. to then confront, you know what, this isn't working. I mean, Dr. Phil made that so popular. How's that working for you? Mm-hmm. You know, we as psychotherapists, mm-hmm. we've been asking people that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Started right. way before Dr. Phil popularized the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, we said, is that working? Pay attention to what that's doing in your life. Fritz used to say, what What are you doing to yourself? And what are you doing to others with that belief, with that behavior? Yeah. That's is great. to make you aware of what's the impact it has on you as a person? And what impact are you having on someone else? So, so um, one philosopher that, that is, is a lot of people consider to be um, someone who influenced Fritz Perls a lot in gestalt therapy was Heidegger. Mm -hmm. And and he, his philosophy, he developed, or somebody developed based on his philosophy, days in analysis, right, which was existential analysis, mm-hmm. which so many people talk about. But his, his famous phrase, Heidegger's, is being in the world. You know, being in the world. Mm-hmm. How are we in the world and what happens in the way we're being in the world? And he says, he says that we're so influenced by all the forces around us and that, and that because we generate meaning in everything we do is we do want to find a way to fit in. We do want to find a way to be a part of. And so then we make all of these compromises to be what we think we have to be to be a part of society, be a part of our family, to be part of our relationship or whatever it is. And look, that's what at the heart of this emotional sobriety stuff is looking at how does our emotional dependency manifest itself in our relationships with other people? And what is the impact that that has on our being in the world? Yes. You know, how are we in this world? How do we show up in this world? And, you know, that that emotional dependency, I think, creates a certain kind of emotional vulnerability yeah. we call it sensitivity I'm not so sure that's the right word for it Tom mm-hmm. you know somebody says I'm very sensitive and, you know and, and as we look at it no you're very dependent <laughs> that right. makes yeah. you very sensitive yeah. or mm-hmm. reactive I even yeah. replace sensitive with right. no you reactive sensitive mm-hmm. would be being a well, sensitive to yourself and to other people and how you feel but I think a lot of people confuse, sensitivity with reactivity see our well, emotional you could, yeah I,
2: absolutely you could be sensitive and not defensive and that's and that's part of what we're trying to learn to do is that's the right. idea is because when you're because i think this is as as we're as you're talking i'm thinking okay this is how this 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 fits into some of the work that we've already been talking about and doing with emotional sobriety is is the idea is we're you and I are always looking for places when with our within ourselves. Uh, if we're trying to help each other out, if we're uh, but if we're also in our jobs, what are we looking for? We're looking for things that get in people's way. We, you know, I, I love that idea. It's so freeing as a psychotherapist to understand, I, you know, because I, because I've got a guy in my head that will tell me I've got to, I've got, once I'm working with somebody, I got to figure it all out for them, and it's like, I'm, you know, that guy's never gone anywhere, but but he doesn't, he doesn't have a really active role anymore in the work, but. Because because I because my belief is that I, I I like the the people and Irv Yalom one of our favorites together is is one of them that I've, I I hear this from a lot is no what we're doing is we're we're, we're helping people to, people get out of their own way we're helping to to identify the blocks to to their natural growth and so that they can they can move on and part of that natural growth and we have already we've already established this theme in this conversation which is which is you know. Just like our our flow in recovery, if we see ourselves, well, and let's just go ahead and say, if we see ourselves as practitioners of philosophy. And I, and see, I think philosophy, this is the thing I have different than when I was in college going to philosophy classes. It's like everybody I've ever, everybody I read or everybody that I talk to about any of this stuff is, is saying, no, this is, this is, this is material. This is not just airy fairy stuff. This is stuff we need to be working to apply in our lives. And we need, and as, as a result of that, we're always going to be works in progress. We're always going to be. So part of what you're talking about, about the sensitivity and the defense, and I'm saying the defensiveness is that people, you know, if you, we have to be open to whatever we believe when somebody, when we find, or when somebody points out a contradiction, that's when, you know, that's, you see this a lot with religion and, 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 but, but other, other belief systems too. It's like people get defensive rather than curious. Like we talk about with emotional sobriety. No, it's like, wow, you're right. That doesn't quite work in that case. That does not And we got to get out. And I think the philosophy, the mindset of philosophy takes us out of the place of all or none thinking. Also, it's not a matter of saying, oh, well, if that's the contradiction, then it turns out I was wrong and somebody else is right. It's like, no, I don't know that yet. Let's go look at it. What is, what, what are we seeing? What can we learn from this? And what I, you know, so I, li- I like the idea that in this, so far what you and I've done that's new for me today is the idea that we can say, we can be sensitive and not defensive. Yes. And that's and, right. and, and to me, that's a takeaway for, for for me for sure, is is the idea is, because you're right, people use sensitive as often, not you know, but you use it as a way of saying, you know, please walk on eggshells around me.
1: Well, the yeah. paradox, I love the paradox uh, in emotional sobriety of t- when you become more differentiated, you actually then become better in your relationships and you're able to like love more comprehensively. Yes. Right. Can we talk a little oh, bit about is, that? Yeah. You know,
0: mm-hmm. oh, it's such a powerful thing. You're saying the, the way Walt Kempler told me this, he says, if you want to be more personal, more intimate, more connected in your relationship. You need to stop taking what the other person is doing personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a direct correlation between those two things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just to go back to Heidegger a little bit, so what he really focused on, what it, what is the meaning of our being? Like, how do we we give meaning to our existence? And it's so interesting is that when you start to really unpack this emotional dependence, it is based on this idea. That of our personal importance, that it's mm-hmm. all about us. And so the meaning we give at one point is to make ourselves so darn important in everything. And that we see everything is a reaction to us, is a reflection about how people feel about us. We become the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happens is that, as we've seen in the Thursday night group, Tom, and people writing into us, is when people get this idea it allows them to be a part of the world in a much better way instead of being so reactive and being hurt and taking so many things personally,
1: they're mm-hmm. able, I think
0: you use the word flow with mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. I yep. think that's what you said on, on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, right. Right. I loved, I right. love that. Yeah. that. That statement you made is about how we start to flow with our experience instead of end up in conflict all the time.
2: Yeah, well, speaking and this, this is connected, believe it or not, going back to, to what you said, Patrick, about about paradox. You're right. We take this stuff and we become self-absorbed in the sense it's all about me. And boy, do I have some stories about that in my life where I could tell about how I would see that right. Um and do and do it that way ultimately i think we're at least now i'm speaking from my own particular, particular uh, belief system but ultimately the paradox is we do land back on just focusing on ourselves and, it, yeah. and it's like but it's but it's not about how the world is treating me it's it's Absolutely. about what am what am i doing with what's here it's it's, I want to. I want to read. I want to read something. If I can find it here it's on my phone, I, I wrote down a quotation. I was reading. Uh, 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 I've become very aware of, of uh, Marcus Aurelius. The, they say the last of the of the the good emperors. Uh, and and he wrote a he wrote a book that's out now. It's, it's called Meditations. And it's like he wrote it only for himself. Is that's this? The man wrote all the time. He wrote every day. And it's like you know it, it was he didn't write for anybody but himself. It's a powerful book. But I, I but I wrote wrote a quotation down from this uh in re- because i was help, trying to help a client of mine that was having run through some troubles and and let me see if i can find it here here it is um it says look at the past empires succeeding empires from that extrapolate the future the same thing no escape from the rhythm of events which is why now here, come, here comes the part that sounds dark at first. I'm going to talk about it just for a second afterwards, which is why observing life for 40 years is good as a thousand. Uh, would you would you really see anything new? And, you know, I think about you with this, Patrick, too. So sometimes it's like sometimes the discouragement we have in how the world doesn't seem to change. And we're seeing so much of that in our world now. And, I, and so in that I looked at that and I said, OK, so he say he's saying basically nothing's changing. And it's like I'm thinking I'm 60 getting ready to be 68 years old. I'm going like we're watching what's happening in the world now going like, OK, it, I get that. It seems like nothing's changing. So. Here's what here's what I wrote in response to to a client of mine who was having some trouble with some of this stuff. I and see if the, and I haven't actually read this, so you guys can tell me if it makes some sense to you or help me change it. the the ins the insight and I put in parentheses a perspective that hopefully or that rescues hope is that the truth simply is that humankind repeats the same damn cycles, essentially unchanged. Then then maybe we come to the human experience, not to change it, but to make good use of it, to improve ourselves as individuals. Maybe earth is like a tumbler for polishing stones. Maybe the design is not for us to change the world, but, uh, but to remain devoted to that, even with, without the reward of successfully changing anything beyond our own selves. And so the idea is it becomes about us every day. How
0: can I be a better person? Yep. And look, and, it, and, you know, and we got to put this right now. And I love that, Tom. And, you know, we uh-huh. don't want to ignore the context that our discussion today is taking place mm. in, right? You right. know russia has invaded ukraine um there's a lot of people that really were loving their democracy and freedom that are now being you know threatened by uh by you know putin and 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 the russian army to take away their freedoms and they're fighting for their freedom mm-hmm. not unlike we fought the british back in mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the American revolution and there's There's an unbelievable battle going on at this particular point in time. And, you know, when you say that, it it seems to recapitulate other Mm -hmm. things. I can't tell you that to me, the beginning of World War II started this way with Hitler invading Mm -hmm. these other countries Mm -hmm. and imposing his will on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's so our emotion, my emotional sobriety. Is being really tested right now. I mean, it really is because I think we're right on a, on a at a critical point in time in terms of the future of, of you know what's going to happen in Europe. But not only what's going to happen in Europe, like we realized before in World War II, we can't be an isolationist take an isolationist mentality because there's no such thing anymore. And if anything, the global economy has shown us that now that we really, to me, need to take a very firm stance and say, this is not okay. You know, um, our good friend, Michael McGee, Mm -hmm. wrote the uh, thing last night imploring. He says, this is what I sent to Congress and to our president, imploring him to take to take strong action to stop this and to say this is Mm -hmm. not going to this is not going to happen on our watch. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens with this thing. But, you know, it's so funny because we put this in the context. And now many of us are faced with, you know, there's a possibility that if if we do intervene in a way that's really going to make a difference, that Putin's going to see this as, as a declaration of war. He threatened mm-hmm. that. He says mm-hmm. if we stop mm-hmm. the oil, you know, if mm-hmm. we you know put sanctions against the oil and gas, he's gonna see this as a deck because that's his moneymaker, right? Right. That's where right. where Russia is getting all of their the economy is based on their their gas okay. and and oil production. So look, we're really confronted and not like not different than, the crisis that every individual has to confront at some point in their life—about what do you do? Do you yes. honor your freedom, or do right. you, like right. you said, well, and I,
2: that's well, and that's—and I want to, because as you're describing that, when I when I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's easy. It, it's I'm I'm putting myself in sort of this hypothetical listener's point point of view and going, it's easy to hear. The the part uh, when I'm and I'm sitting here saying it comes down to if nothing's changing then I can use this as a, as a way of I'm going to my job is to become a better person to, to 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 evolve to be a better soul if there's reincarnation then I'm, this is I'm going to work on that it's, it's I'm going to do better but it's and then you and then when you're talking about we have to we have to as a as a community as as nations we have to make this thing it's like to me. Where I'm sitting, I'm going, no, this is the same thing, because what we're talking about is always rather than see the power as outside of ourselves to see that we have to, every individual and every individual community and every individual nation, everything, every. But it starts with the individuals. Individuals have to face our our own our own. We have to face our own belief system. What What is the right thing for me to do? You know, because a lot of times, you know, because I'm a big believer that that some of the greatest and I include myself in this, by the way, because I think I've, I've, I'm way guilty of this throughout throughout uh, uh, my life is the greatest harm has been done by bystanders. Yes. You know, people, people who just stand and they they're perfectly good people who think good things and have good value systems, but it's not their fight. It's not this it's not affecting me. It's not in my backyard. So, you know, and and um
1: go ahead. I was just gonna say one of the things I'm most grateful for in recovery is uh that this idea has been hammered in me and others over and over of um help yourself by helping others. Mm -hmm. Action rather than you know, uh act your way to right thinking rather than thinking your way to right action. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um Yes. Yeah, I think like, you know, my politics are collectivism, we're stronger together than we are separated and collectivism in the pursuit of dignity. <laughs> that's something mm-hmm. I got from my girlfriend a while ago, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dignity for every person, you know, um, food, shelter, health care, education, mm-hmm. even internet, <laughs> make mm-hmm. sure that everybody has mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, that would necessitate a harmony with the natural world mm-hmm. and a kind of, you know, and and so all these things, but in the absence of any broader collectivism, you know, that maybe, uh, we don't have at the moment or we're working towards just trying to manifest that through my individual actions and, um, get out of my own head. And in the case of emotional sobriety to do the work of, you know, being differentiated and, um, trying to take what is aligning myself with reality and then making my decisions, uh, within that framework. I think that's kind of, um, what I'm putting together. Um, and, uh, there is a lot about reality that frightens me. Mm-hmm. And so it takes constant work to re- to be reframing and kind of figuring out within my limited set of choices, you know, what, right. what's the best that I can right. do and how can I most like honor this, like, broader interest that I have in like the collectivist project.
2: Absolutely. Well, it brings us back to the thing that, that we've, that that the three of us have talked about through, through the whole time we were doing even the earlier podcast that start right here. It's like, it's that positive opportunism to see, to see difficult situations, to see even horrendous situations as opportunities. How can I use this situation to become a better person? How can I, you know, and it's and it's always about, you know, and it goes to that little one little nutshell that I repeat a lot, which is always move towards your demons. They take their power from your retreat. And people often don't don't stay with that long enough to get that really get the meaning of the second part of that. They get their power from your retreat means that the 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 bad or the evil does not have to even increase for it to gain more power if we're if we're cringing or, or running the other way. It's like you know we need to lean into this. And it's, and to do the right thing and to encourage, you know, not, 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 we can't, I'm not trying to make other people do what you know, but, but, but encourage others to take action. When you realize you're, you're talking to somebody who's like-minded, I mean, I, that helps me a lot. I mean, sometimes people who are better at taking action than I am, and there are lots of them that, that through political stuff or through, through just, just day to day stuff in our community, it's like, you know, it helps me to, to sort of be appropriately guilted you know, not by what they've said to me, but by by just basically comparison, this person is doing a lot more than I am, you know? And, and, and it's like, I like, you know, I don't like to feel that way, but that's, that's, that's healthy guilt. That's conscience. It's like, if I, if I, you know, if if I'm aware you're doing something that that I could do and I'm not doing it, I'd rather than, rather than be sensitive, like you're saying, Alan, and and, and say in defensive to go like, I can do more. You know, and, 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 you know, we all know people, we can name people who are, who are role models to us, but it doesn't have to be just the famous people out there. It can be the people, the people that we know. Uh, I mean, I know that I know I could name, I could just list a bunch of people through this COVID thing that basically the people that I know, clients and friends of mine that that just, just hit the ground running to be helpful to people. With that. And it's like, you know, and I'm a procrastinator. I'm a, I'm an introvert and I'm lazy. And it's like, I don't mean any of that stuff in any condemning way, but those are characteristics that, that, that really can get in my way. And so, so I try, I, I I do, I'm doing my best these days to be inspired by those people so that I can go and be more like them.
1: In the last week, uh, I've received messages from both of you guys just checking in and making sure I'm doing OK. And uh, that's uh, no small thing to me. You know, that means a lot to me. And I, it's very, uh, you know, sustaining. And I try to take that inspiration and I try to check in with other people. And, you know, where there's an opportunity to just kind of reach in and do yeah. something, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, you're gotcha.
2: important. That's a yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. You're very important. <laughs> You are important to me. And I, I wanted you to know that. And I knew you were, I knew you were confronting, you know, a real, you know, heavy decision in your life. And I didn't want you to feel alone. Thank you. It's it's. I describe my mind sometimes like a colander. You know, it's like it's just it's
2: just like you know. It just how much energy have I leaked in all these years that I could actually use real life energy? But but I worry about things that I can, you know just worried. I'm just worried. Worriers like me. That it's it's like we punch holes in our own gas tank and then we and we complain about bad gas mileage. You know, uh-huh. what we have to do is we got to figure out how, how to patch up those holes. It. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, and, you know, and it's a long it's a long standing thing. I don't I don't I doubt I'm happy if it if it resolves itself entirely. But even in my mind, I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, even in my, my I think new improved version of myself at this point. It's like, like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just leaking, you know, all the time now I can bring my, my attention back. And, and, and actually what I told him was, I, I said, I said, you know, I, I have all that anxiety, you know, that I'm aware of, but I'm a lot calmer about it now. Yeah. Which, which is, a, a, which is a, an intrapersonal principle. That I think is really important. Is you, as we can realize that we don't have to go to the lowest common denominator, and I don't have to hang out with the most depressed part of me. I don't have to hang out with the scared, most scared, most anxious part of me. I can step back and be that person, that decision maker in me who's in charge, and th- use that observation that 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 we talk about in therapy a lot, which is there is that you know it's it's, it's one thing to say. You know, I'm anxious. Another thing to say, I have this anxiety that is running you know, on this endless loop inside my head. I'm aware of and I'm and I'm working on it, you know, and it's like so that we can make decisions and not get distracted. And then basically use what we're talking about right now is is kind of a call to arms to say and we should we should be using at a time like this in our in our world history. Use this to look around and say, what can I do? You know, it can be just something like pass something along. It can be, you know, it, it can be make contact with other people. It could it could, you know, rather than than have a have a have an opinion that you think might be useful, uh, you know, but you're not going to say it to anybody to put it out there.
0: I'm lucky that uh, I don't know. Lucky. I feel bad in some way that I'm not closer. I'd probably be one mm-hmm. of those guys going into Ukraine to fight. I mean, and I told her, I says, I'm an old Marine, but this old Marine mm-hmm. still got a little bit of a fight. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and,
2: I saw, I saw, I saw a tw- thing on Twitter where, where a former Miss Ukraine, you know, for the Mer- Mer- Miss American, Miss America had enlisted, you know, it's, it's like, so, so, you know, and some unfortunate Russian shoulders are going to get shot down by Miss Ukraine.
0: It's no. like, uh, you know, and it's like, Klitsch- you know, and Obron, I, two world, uh, <laughs> uh, heavyweight champs are, are, have volunteered to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. Listen, it's it's a call to arms. It really is in so many. Ways. I tell
2: you what. I tell you what. The other thing that that is worth thinking about. I think I got this idea from reading. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the Dandelion Insurrection. Uh, there's no. three three books. I've only read the first one, but it's 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 uh, yeah. I've I, 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 I've had it for a while. Didn't read it for for a long time because it, I thought I don't want to read a book that's called dandelion something. It's like uh, you know the, I don't know what that's about, but it's it's like. But it's really it's 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 really a, a it's a fictional thing, but it's a, it's a it's about standing up. It's not all of this stuff. And one of the things that they, that they do in the Dandelion insurrection is by, by, by fighting, you know, aggression with peace is they really address the soldiers who are the aggressors, you know? And because one of the things we know now psychologically is all those people that are soldiers,
0: the Russian army, they're not bad people. They're not all bad people. Several of the conscripts from the Russian army, because The Russian army is consisting mostly of conscripts. Several of them said that they were told they were going to be on exercises and not invading Ukraine. And Mm -hmm. so then when it turned into an invasion, they're going, what are we doing? I mean, so I I think a lot of Russian people do not feel good about what's going on. And that's why I think it's important to differentiate, you know, Mm -hmm. Putin from from some of the Russian people. They're yeah, not even
2: even the even the Russian soldiers. It's like not to not to, not not to, you know if, if I if I if I were stuck in that position and and I mean stuck even intra personally with my belief system. I'm not saying there's what they're doing is right. Period. It's like don't do that. But it's like it's it's like the idea of of you know get, learning to give people the benefit of the doubt to be able to say you know um, you know if you're going you know, I mean if they're going to if they're going to take that position then then they may have to pay the the ultimate consequence, but, but it's right. like, would, could you think of better news to hear and maybe this is very naive, but then to hear that the, that the soldiers are putting down their guns and saying, we're not going to do that. That's
0: right. That's right. Yeah. Not unlike what happened with Britain in, in America, back in the American revolution, there was a lot of British soldiers that said, what are we doing? I mean, yeah. why are yeah. we imposing will on somebody else when they don't want it? I mean, what's that about? And there's a whole history of that. Well, look at great discussion. I would like to propose that our next thing is let's try to identify the philosophical principles that the ideas that emotional dependency stands on. Let's look at some of of the concepts that it really is based on. And what is the philosophy behind emotional sobriety? Define what that means specifically. Okay. Can't wait to explore that with you
3: guys. See you next week tinge your life tinge your myth cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with then we glass and hand and children on one knee bring some stories bring your stories back to me it ain't a crime to be a human never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us My old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me